All right, tonight I'm going to talk about the prodigal son. I think we've all heard this message a few times, but um, maybe this is a a slightly different take to what you've already uh, heard through this story. I'm going to focus a little bit more on the father rather than the son himself. There's a few few points that um, that I pulled out of this story that uh, that I noticed reading through it. Um, it. It was a completely different story than what I've ever read before, and that's what I love about the Bible, is you know it, it's a living word. It, it changes all the time. You know God speaks to you in different ways. Um, I'm going to start off. I, I, where's the bit here? So at this point in the Bible, Jesus his uh, He's in an area where there's a lot of people listening to him. Like there's Pharisees there. There's other people following him around, and he's he's t- telling a few um, parables. And he's already told the parable of the lost coin, which is where like the widow. Oh, not sure if it's a widow, but a lady has ten coins. She loses one. She puts all her effort into finding it. And then he also told the parable about the lost sheep. How if a farmer had you know 99 sheep and lost one, or 100 sheep lost one, he would leave the rest and, and go back. So Jesus is, is really making a point here about finding lost things, getting them back to where they belong. Uh, and this is where we join in at Luke 15. Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, father, I want right now what is coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. So Back then, it's probably not so much the same these days, but back then, if you were the son of your father, you got his inheritance. But normally, that's when your, your dad dies, the oldest gets double portion. So if there's two sons, the oldest son will get two-thirds of the, the estate, the youngest son will get one-third. So already to set the scene here, this kid, he's coming up to his dad, while his dad's still alive, and saying, you know, give me what's mine. I want, basically, it's still his dad's. He's saying, give, give that to me, I want it now. So the father, he didn't, he, there's no arguing, nothing. He just says, so the father divided the property between them. And it wasn't long before the son had packed his bags and left for a distant country. That's a key point in this, which I'll address in a sec. So I remember that distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. So this guy, he's taken everything from his dad. Wasn't really his yet, but the dad was, was, was willing. You know, he divided up a third of his estate, gave it to his son. And his son not, not only just went to another, you know, village down the road. No, he went to a whole another country, a distant country, not disciplined. So think about this. It's like, say, someone in a church. Say you break away from church. The first thing you do is you might go off to your other friends. It's a completely, you know, non-Christian friend. So I can completely distant environment, distant everything. He's gone there because he doesn't want to live in the shame of all the other people he knows. So, you know, if he's an Israelite in an Israelite country where everyone's Christian, well, follows God. I'm not sure how that works if they were Christians back then, but he goes to another pagan, basically dominated area. So he can splurge, he can enjoy all the worldly things. You know, he wanted to get out of God's land so he could live in that sin, um, to have that lifestyle. But eventually... His resources grew quite thin. So he's taken what would have been a massive set of possessions. Like this guy would have been loaded. It's like, you know, your dad giving you a million dollars. And you're going out thinking, yeah, cha-ching, I'm going to live like a king. Like this guy, he's, he's just splurging. He's having all the fun in the world. And he's, he's, you know, he's living it all out. But very soon, it says he wasted everything he had. After going through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. 
He signed on with another citizen there who assigned him to, um, to his fields and to slop the pigs. All right, so it's not very long after this guy was, he was set up. He was at the start, you know, he's under his father's grace. He's got everything you could want. Not only that, he took more. He took everything that was his father's, or at least a third of those portions, and he went off on his own. And it didn't take long for him to lose everything. And now already he's giving in to the rest of the world. Like he's working now for the pagans. He went there as a rich you know, person with everything, sure of himself, and now he's got nothing. He's feeding the pigs. And it says he was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. Now, I'm not going to have enough time to really divulge into that, but think about when you... Uh, hopefully some of you can relate to this. Like for myself, when I left the church, I would have been probably even your age. When I left, um, I stopped going to church, stopped going to youth. And I started making friends with, with you know, more worldly people. And it doesn't take very long for you to start changing into who they want you to be. You know, they've got different rules, different sort of mannerisms. If you don't fit into their crew, if you don't do the things they say, then you, you're very quickly disregarded and let out. And it's sort of like this guy here, you know, he went into there with, you know, I was, you know, still pretty pumped after coming to the church. I re- never realized what I had, the sort of the friendships, the, um, the belonging, the, all that love I had. He went into the world thinking, yeah, I'm pumped, you know, like I've got a million dollars. And the world just starts bringing you down a bit. And it says this guy, uh, he, he got so into that, he lost everything. And he ended up, you know, so hungry that we'd, he would eat the pig, uh, the slop that he was giving the pigs, like all the corn cobs in there. So it's like, you just start to leech off the world. There's not much there. You're, you're bottom feeding on, on whatever it is they're feeding out, which is never nice stuff. Um, but it's, it says at this point that, that brought him to his senses. So thankfully he realized that's not good, you know. Being in that position is not nice. And he said, all, the far- all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. So even the servants of his father, he realizes, live in much better standards than what he is. I like that. They get three meals a day. I can, uh, you know, I'm, this is a parable, so we can have a bit of creative freedom here, but when you think about it right now in the church, when you, you know, when you hear a good word, when you, um, you know, really embrace in the Holy Spirit and you get that spiritual nourishment, like that, that feeds you up. You feel pumped. You're like, wow, God spoke to me with that. That's, you can feel it. And he's saying his, you know, his father's servants, they, they had that. They were full, all right? And here he is wanting corn cobs from, a, from pig slot. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against God. I have sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got up and he went home to his father. Okay, so the first half of this story is a little bit of a downer. Like It's not the nicest thing. The guy goes out into the world and he basically gets destroyed by it. This is where it gets good. And, and I really like that point where he says, I'm going back to my father. Know that you know if you ever get lost, and this point also applies to any of your friends that have never been to church, you can always go back to your father. You can always go back to God. And I love that he knew that. He went back with shame. You know, he's, he's feeling pretty down about it. Um, but he got to that point in his life where he realized that, hey, the world isn't that great. It'd be nice if he didn't have to learn that lesson the hard way. And, you know, he knew beforehand that living under his father's protection and all that was, was awesome. But no, he's, he's learned the hard way, but he knows he can go back. 
I, I myself got to a point like that, and I'm not going to go into that now, but there was, there was one verse where I was reading through my Bible, and, and this, this was my point where I was brought to my senses. I was reading through Philippians 4.6, and this, this verse basically saved at least my spiritual life, but you know, maybe even my life. And it says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Now, we all have these moments in our life where, you know, we get a bit down, especially uh, for me, it was during my, what would it be, 19, 20, when it really hit me. So I was still teenage-ish, and emotions are flying, and the world's changing around you and all that. So, you know, you may not have had a moment yet like that. Hopefully, a moment like that never comes for you, but if it does, just reading your Bible, just praying to God, You'll, you'll have something, you'll eventually, it'll, you'll just get that rock. You know, Jesus is always that rock. For me, it was finding this verse. And I probably read it a thousand times before in the Bible, but that, for me, was that moment of, you know, bringing me back to my senses. And this, this is, I love this part, and I want to focus on this more than, more than the rest of the story. But it goes, when, so that the son's now walking back to the house. And it says, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out and embraced him and kissed him. The son started his speech that he prepared earlier. He goes, Father, I have sinned against God. I have sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was already calling the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put, on the, fa put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. The Bible doesn't waste words. When there's something in there, there's, you know, there's a good reason why it's been written. And I think this is so special. The first thing that the father does, there's no questioning, oh, where have you been? Where's my money? What's happening here? No, the first thing he says is, quick, bring him a clean set of clothes. There's so much in the Bible that, you know, that talks about, about being clean, being washed clean. One of my favorite passages is, you know, though your sins are scarlet, they will be white as snow. You know, God washes us clean regardless of what we've done. He doesn't even question him in this. He just says, quick, bring a clean set of clothes. And it's sort of like just before you go on to bed, you have a shower and you put on your clean pajamas. That is just the best feeling ever. I can just imagine when you, you, know, when you first come back into God's grace, that's that overwhelming freshness, that cleanness that comes over you. And I just love that. The first thing he says is, quick, bring a clean set of clothes. Then, after he's dressed... The next, thing he's, ah, the next thing he says to him is put on the family, put the family ring on his finger. Like this is a massive sense of identity for him. Obviously, if he's putting it back on, that the son disowned himself. You know, he threw the ring away or, or never took it with him. But the second thing he says, he put the family ring on his finger. That ownership to say, you are my son. I don't care what you've, you know, what you've done, where you've been or where all my money is and all that. No, he puts the family ring back on his finger. You are mine. You are my son. And the sandals on his feet. You know, if you think about it, this guy was lost. He's been wandering. He's walking. The, your feet, and this is all metaphorical as well, you know, his feet are hurting. He's in pain. He, you know, you're trying to think, you take another step and it just hurts. It's like walking through the world when you're lost and you're just not sure where to go. But, the, you know, the third thing he does is he puts sandals on his feet. I'll make that go away. There we go. And this comes back to 
Romans 8, 38, 39, I said this in my message, I think it was last weekend, but I really want to read it out again because it's like my second favorite verse. And it says, do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way, no trouble, no hard times, no hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. And it goes on to say that there's just nothing in heaven nor hell nor um, angelic or, or demonic today or tomorrow will ever get between you. But I really like the fact that he's throwing this in here. It goes, not troubled, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats and not backstabbing. When you're going through your life, you get hit with a lot of this stuff. Even if you're, you know, the best possible Christian, you're completely under God's grace, that stuff still happens to us. And just remember that it's not God saying, oh, you know, you've done something bad, so I'm making you homeless, or you've done something so bad that I'm putting you through some hard times, or you're hungry, you know, it's because God doesn't know. It says there is no way that this would, you know, ever get between you and love, uh, you and God's love. This is, this is the world hitting you, not, not God. And none of that will ever get between you and Christ. The other, the other part of this story, uh, which I'm going to just quickly cover, is, is the other son. And I like to call this, this is, the un, uh, this, is, sorry, this is the offendable son. Not the unoffendable son, this is the offendable son. So all this time, the older son was out in the field. When, there, when the day's work was done, uh, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and the dancing so that the father was holding a, a party for the son that returned. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked, what's going on? He told him, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecue beef. I, lo I love the message Bible. Um, because he has his son home safe and sound. The older brother, he stalked off in anger, in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he would not listen. The son said, look, how many years have I stayed here serving you? Never giving you one moment of grief. But, you have, but have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours, who has thrown away all your money on, I won't say that word, on um, women, shows up and, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to see that word in the Bible, um, on things, and shows up and you go all out with a feast. And his father says to him, pay careful attention to this, his father says to him, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. And everything that is mine is yours. But this wonderful time, um, and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he is alive. He was lost, but he is found. Now, right now, we are all living in God's grace. Like, don't ever feel, oh, I'm not sure of the word, but you know when a new Christian walks in, and they start doing awesome things in the church, and they start serving, you're sitting there going, well, I've been here forever, like, why does this guy get to have all the fun? No, don't ever feel that right now. You are with Christ this whole time. Like that's such an awesome thing and, and something you, you, you've got to treasure that. When someone else walks in, they've been living the last, say, 15, 20 years of their life without Christ. And that's what it's saying here. It's saying, his father said, son, you don't understand. You are with me all the time and everything that is mine is yours. Everything that is God's is yours. That is in your power right now. So one of the, the, you know, the two points that I want to sum up with with that is, first, if you ever find yourself lost, know that God's arms are open. But be very wary about denying Christ. The Bible is very specific about that. When you do find 
you know, when you do come to Christ and you find his grace and then you go away and, uh, and blaspheme against that and, you, you know, you start denying Christ, it says, at first, if you don't know Christ and you haven't been saved and you speak against Christ, you know, he's come to save you from that. But when you accept that, that saving of your soul and then you go off and do the same thing again, you know, it makes God a bit jealous. But the Bible also says, you know, Jesus says, forgive that person seven times seven. So it's a tricky one, but just be very careful with that. Um, you, know, you know, you guys are saved. You, you know God's love. Don't, don't lose that. But his arms are always open for you. The most important bit is that same love is open for all people. So even your friend that's probably going out and getting drunk tonight, you know, God's love is, is for that same person. Don't ever be afraid to approach them and say, hey, you want to come to church? Don't, don't ever put God's love so small that you don't think you would ever see them in this building. Like, don't, don't think that it's, you know, their own willpower or denyingness that they would never be in this church. No, it's God and the Holy Spirit that brings them here. And the, the other one is don't be that unoffendable son. Don't, don't let that attitude ever stop you from, as I said, talking to uh, people about Jesus. And don't feel worth less because we celebrate when they're saved. Now, I love it when a new Christian comes in and gets baptized and all that's happening. That, is just, that should be the most rewarding and exciting feeling for all of us. And um, yeah, just that last point is, you know, right now, I, I, one of my favorite lines in this whole verse is the father says, don't, don't you understand, you are with me all the time and everything that you have that is mine is yours. Live in that, hold that promise. Right now, what God has is yours, that's in your heart. The same power that rose Christ from the grave, is, you know, dwells within us now. And, you know, things like moving mountains and that with, with faith is just, oh, you know, this youth group, don't look at the size of it now. Like Josh says, the youth group that I see now is not the youth group that I see. You know, have visions for bigger things. But I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to about eight minutes more than what I hoped. <laughs> uh, and I'll hand you back to Santa.